Penn State University has a new athletic director. Maybe? There's a lot of smoke going on right now, and to help me figure out if there's smoke signals or just somebody started a fire in a trash can, I've got Nate Bauer, senior editor of Blue White Illustrated, to help us uh, talk through what's going on with Penn State's AD search. Now, to start this off, Nate, first off, hello. How are you? I'm I'm great. I, I just conjuring images of fires in a trash can just has me cracking up a little bit. But <laughs> well, it's 40 degrees right now, so that yeah. maybe I'm just imagining what I want in my well, cold studio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so to start off the week, you had news. I believe it was on Sunday on our live show that Penn State was going to name the athletic director within the week or very soon. Pretty soon after that, there was more news on that situation. So fill us in on what's been going on with Penn State search and what's been out there when it comes to the names that have been uh, talked about. Yeah. So um, where to start? Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of came through uh, and I posted, I think, on our site on Saturday or maybe Sunday morning that that right. It was winding down. Right, the search, the search for Penn State's athletic director was winding down. Um, you know, didn't have a name. You know, um, very clearly, it, it was down to a guy, a, a couple of candidates. Um, but, but you know, it, the point of my post was simply, "Hey, this this thing is is coming to a close. They they have a person in mind." Um, you know, and then Tuesday. Uh, Pete Thamel of ESPN reported, and I want to make sure I want to make sure that I get all of this correct. Okay. Uh, his story at ESPN, uh, quote sources, Penn state is targeting Boston college athletic director, Pat Graft, uh, to be the school's next athletic director. A deal has yet to be finalized, but is expected to be by the end of the week. Um, okay. So, so that, Obviously, like Pete Thamel's a great reporter, mm -hmm. uh, tried and true. So uh, I followed up, you know, and and started to kind of see what's what from Penn State's end. And yeah, you know, kind of by the middle of the day on Tuesday, uh, it had filtered through enough, I, I would say, um, you know, to where I felt comfortable confirming that he, he is, in fact, uh, he's the guy. Right. So, um, you know, you never know. Uh, and it's hard to get kind of details in terms of where the process is. Right. Because uh, right. as I know, as you know, as many, many people know, uh, you know, deals aren't done until the lawyers have had their look. <laughs> it's not done until it's officially legally done until there's Correct. no way out. Correct. Yeah. And so, and in fact, it, it's funny, somebody brought it to my attention this morning. Um, you know, Manny Diaz uh, and <laughs> Pat Kraft yeah. know each other very well from uh, a certain set of circumstances that happened while Pat was at Temple right yeah. years ago. Manny, it doesn't matter. We won't go down that road. But the point, point being is, you know, I, I feel comfortable enough. I put it out in a story yesterday and can say here... Uh, Pat, Pat Kraft is the guy, uh, uh -huh. Penn, Penn state has chosen him, you know, 
I, I don't know what details there are to be worked out if they have worked out the details, but uh, it, it's fully anticipated that he will be Penn State's next athletic director. So that's some big news here on the BWI Daily Edition that you, of course, reported over at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. And if you've been following the story that we just laid out or following the BWI YouTube channel, you had this information, you know, last couple of days, but it came first bluewhiteillustrated.com on the premium Lion's Den message forum. If you want to get that information and have these things to say and sound super smart, Nate's your guy, and he'll give you that information for a dollar. You get 12 months of access for one single dollar, and then you're in. Then you're in the club. So sign up right now. Link is in the description of this video so you can get all this information and stay up to date when we get more information, more context to this. Because Nate isn't done just reporting a name. We're going to find out some more information about what's going on behind the scenes at Penn State. All that stuff. Not to put more work on your plate. Just saying what I know you're doing. So the next question is, you know, if this comes to fruition, if they get this baton passed in the relay to the finish line, and everything finalizes. Time to get to know Pat Kraft. So what do we know about him and his reputation so far as an athletic director? I believe at two stops, correct? At Temple and at Boston College. Yeah. So so he has a few he has a few professional stops. He's he started as a walk-on at Indiana University. Okay. So he was a walk-on football player for the Hoosiers. Uh, I wanna say I, I don't actually know. Maybe the late 90s. I'm going to, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the point is, uh, his, his athletic career started there, right? He was a, he was a walk on at, at Indiana, became a scholarship player, came up through football. Uh, after his football career was over, he went into athletic administration. He spent time at Indiana, his, at his alma mater. He moved to uh, Loyola, Chicago, and spent a couple of years there. And then he he really, like his start start was as a deputy athletic director at Temple. Um, during that time while he was there, I think he was there for three or four years before he ascended into the, the head AD job, right? Their AD left. Uh, he took the job, I believe, in 2015 and spent from 2015 to 2020 as Temple's athletic director, which we can get to in a moment, but it, it included a pretty dramatic, right? Like rise and climb for Temple athletics, uh, specifically football of which yeah. Penn State fans can jog their memory to September of 2015, a, a certain team in Philadelphia surprised Penn State with a win. And um, a lot of sacks. And so a lot of sacks. many sacks. <laughs> 10 sacks at the beginning of that season. So that, so that was that uh, moved to Boston college uh, where he has been the athletic director since 2020. So he spent the last couple of years at Boston college has had some success there. And now again, is anticipated uh, very much to be Penn State's next athletic director. Uh, just doing a quick perusing, trying to find when he was a walk-on at Indiana, named to uh, numerous 40 under 40 or you know high-profile lists as far as up-and-coming administrators in college football over the last five or six years. So yep. a name that Penn State fans might not be aware of, but a name that is well-known, I would say, in the uh, sports world. What is the importance and this is just, uh, if you would, go with me here. What's the importance of being from the Northeast? 
for your athletic director? Because he spent a lot of time in this region. Uh, is that a value, and is that something that is a pri- would be a priority if you were searching for Penn State's nath- next athletic director? Yeah, I mean, sir, uh, look, like there's many ways to skin a cat. And so, you know, he's from Illinois. I, I think that there's certainly, obviously, familiarity with the Big Ten, right, which is essential and uh, a key element here. The, you know, in terms of the Northeast, yeah, I mean, it's Penn State's donor base. It's Penn State's fan base, right? I mean, right. Uh, time in Philadelphia, time in Boston. You know, obviously Boston's a little bit less. So, but um, yeah, I mean, he's he's going to be familiar with the circles that Penn State runs in and the people that are key to propelling Penn State athletics forward. Um, it, it is a huge, massive community. Um, you know that that make up. Penn State's alumni base to make up Penn State's donor base. But yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, the, the, the key here is, is not necessarily where he's from or what he's familiar with as much as watch a couple of YouTube interviews with him and you'll get it. Yeah. He, he is, he Can you is describe that for me then. Yeah, no, he's just, he's just, uh, I, I think it will be very difficult for people to not like him. He's just just very outgoing, very, um, you know, enthusiastic. Like, I I, I think that sometimes, um, you know, I'm not going to say that it's easy to reduce these things to just a couple of characteristics, right? You got to be smart. Yep. You, you got to be able to to balance things and understand and set a direction for, for where you want an athletic department to go. But on the flip side of that, it, it just really helps if you can lead, if you can, mm-hmm. if you can convince other people to share in your vision. And this guy, Pat Kraft, has that very much on his resume as having done that at Temple for five years and then having done that for the last couple of years. Like Boston College fans who are aware of this, Boston, like people in that orbit are are dejected isn't the right word, but like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's yeah. disappointment there. They understand the so, value that Pat Kraft brings. Uh, what was he doing at Boston college then that was generating such positive returns? Because I think Penn, uh, most fans will look to the success of the individual teams and maybe won't yeah. know all of the other things. So what was going on at Boston college that was so positive? Yeah. So, so one, and this is, I mean, I'm, I'm I've got his little uh, cheat sheet up here from Boston College. First thing under fundraising, uh, secured a gift of $15 million from alumni for a future practice facility for men's and women's basketball, right? Like, so got it done, was was able to do fundraising. He kept, uh, you know, and Boston College is a great university to begin with, but mm-hmm. kept the academic standards high within athletics, um, you, you, you know, and like, giving people credit uh, for success of programs that were already established or already had success before you arrive is kind of right. Like right. Uh, Boston college women's lacrosse won a national championship. Right. Like, does, does Pat Kraft get credit for that? Yes, technically, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but that's not, but that's not why he's well liked. He yeah. negotiated a deal with new balance, which is like, way off the reservation in terms of, 
you know, kind of the standard, like, uh, I think New Balance has, um, uh, his name's escaping me. Can you help me? The, the, the dude from, uh, that went to the Clippers from Toronto. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Right. So like the point being is like, you've, you've got some major athletic companies in Adidas and, uh, Nike who kind of run the show. Yeah. And I think, I think that they are still partnered with Adidas at Boston college, but also has a deal with new balance. Mm -hmm. Like that's to be able to do that right there. Yeah. Not having a, uh, monopoly deal at a university. I've never heard of that. Never heard of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So like, it's just, uh, was setting a course for Boston college already had set a course for temple mm-hmm. and that, and that's why he, you know, was kind of perceived in this light of being a guy who, again, that, that age factor, that youth, I think can help, right. Mm-hmm. It, particularly in today's era of college athletics, where things are rapidly changing, like would things you, are just fa- would vastly you con- different. Would you consider some of the things you've seen from Pat Kraft, would you consider that bold and aggressive? Ha! Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you said it. And, and, and so, like, look, I just listened to, I just listened to James Franklin's interview with Rich Eisen uh, a couple of days ago. Right. I listened to it this morning and he wasn't talking about athletic director, but he was asked about the direction of college athletics. He, he uh, something that Dabo Swinney had said. Mm-hmm. about college football and kind of blowing up the model and how everything's going to change. And James Franklin echoed those thoughts. He he wasn't necessarily like dialed into exactly what it has to look like. Yeah. But just this notion of that there have, there have to be moves and steps taken toward unification towards yeah. standardization yep. in, in all of this. And Right now, like that's completely out the window. Some of it for fault of the NCAAs, some of it not through their fault, but like court decisions, court decisions that have upended really what the model and what it can be, what, what power the NCAA has. So no, I mean, if, if, if you're looking at Penn state specifically and this wider, broader landscape of college athletics, yeah, the, like the characteristics that we just laid out that Pat Craft brings to the table, I think that's what you're looking for. Um, I think that those are some of the things that if if you want to be at the front of the line, if you wanna if you wanna be part of the conversation and not simply fall in line with what everyone else is doing, that's the that's the type of leadership that you want and that you you need to see. We're updating you on the Penn State Athletic Director search with senior editor Nate Bauer discussing what he's learned about Pat Kraft, who is reportedly, by his reporting and by Pete Thamel, is the guy for Penn State. When that officially happens, how all of this plays out is yet to be determined as we're recording here in the middle of the day on Wednesday. But what are you looking for next? What's the next step here or the next step next thing you want to learn when it comes to this particular situation? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, you know, certain look like, uh, having put myself out there a a little bit, right. Uh, it's, and we've talked about this, like it always just feels better when it's finalized. 
uh, as a reporter, right? Like it, that's that's what you that's that's the next thing that I want to see is the press <laughs> release from Penn State saying, yeah. this is a done deal. Uh, it's all wrapped up. Nothing has fallen through the cracks, right? Yeah, so that's that's the first thing. And then Nate, he, Nate I, I just kind of pause there. I know how you yeah. feel because uh, tomorrow is the NFL draft. And I've said for three months, Jaquan Brisker should be a first round draft pick. And if he's not, you know, like yeah. I'm going to look real dumb. So, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I get no, it. I get how you feel. I, I feel good about it. I feel sure about it. But, you know, there's it's why we word things carefully. Right. Yeah. As targeted, anticipated. Like so in any case, um. No, and then I want to know what the timeline is, right? Like, yeah. what's the what's the timeline on Sandy Barber's transition out? Are there things that she can help him with? Um, you know, it's it's just it's just a big time of change for Penn State with a new president in uh, Dr. Neely uh, Bendapudi, and now uh, an athletic director. And so, yeah. like, we we all know this. It's not a surprise. Penn State athletics has a ton of stuff stuff to deal with right like and and i thought you were just gonna leave it at stuff like hey they've got a lot of things like they've got buildings and cars and i'm like yep they do yeah yeah you should see the equipment room um no like but but and it's not a lot of it is is based on your perspective right and so if you look at if you look at penn state in totality uh, for the athletic department, you can look at things as ongoing concerns or problems, right? Uh, how, how do you make more money, right? Yeah. How, how do you get more fans in the stands? What do you do with Beaver Stadium? What do you do with, the, like, and this is off of the radar of most of the people watching this probably, but what do you do with uh, the tennis center? Right. Yeah. Like it's not good. It's 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 run down. What do you what do you do with some of these facilities that badly need updated? Um, you know, and so like there's there's that side of it. But then depending on your perspective, it's it's opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. How, how do you corral? 700,000 living alumni to get on board with the notion of a donor culture, right. a, a right? Like a booster culture, because that's what NIL is, right? Like you you just, all of those things can be possibly opportunities where, Hey, hit hit the ground running, start to establish those relationships. I I mean, I'm going to talk about it and I'm not completely comfortable with it because I don't know all of the ins and outs, but yeah, there, there is still residue and damage from how the university handled um, you know, Joe Paterno and some of mm-hmm. those things from 10 years ago, like that, yeah. that plays in. So yeah, the people who are here now and the people who are making decisions, Packcraft will have had nothing to do with that, but it's still incumbent on whoever is steering the ship to establish solid relationships, establish, you know, good standing so that the people who have the means who have the capacity to be invested in Penn State athletics are enthusiastic and willing participants in doing so. Yeah. Uh, two last things I want to ask you before we get out of here. Uh, the first is really just an update on the NIL situation with Penn State. 
um, with the infrastructure that they have and what they, they're working with, you know, kind of the ecosystem that you just described, but what is already up and running. Yeah. And this integration of a new athletic director, whether it's Packraft or not, like if there's some out of left field thing that happens, what is the uh, going back to they've got a lot of stuff. What are they working with in terms of tangible things right now that are positive or, you know, is there something else that needs to be built in order to be competitive in the NIL landscape? Or is that too wide open of a question? Well, I I mean, I think the problem, I think the problem right now, and you're seeing this in, in reporting elsewhere is nobody knows what anybody else is doing. Okay. And I'm, I'm just going to give you an example. Uh, a couple of days ago, I think it was Saturday, Miami basketball got a commitment from one of the top transfers, if not the top transfer in the country from Kansas state. And part of the deal, part of the announcement of that deal was not from the university. It was from the mega booster who, you know, signed him to an NIL deal with yeah. his company for $800,000 over two years. So I know that this is legal, but isn't there some sort of tampering, sort of direct pay for uh, recruitment thing that you're not supposed to be doing? Like, it's not supposed to be so direct. So, like, I know that none of the rules apply yeah, but anymore, but, like, how is that? This all seems very gray. It, it It's extremely gray. It's extremely great. And, and I don't know, I don't know all of, I think that there is a ton of opportunity to shape the narrative the way that you want. And so if you just say that you're doing this, it doesn't matter what you're actually doing. Right. Uh, it's, Hey, this is, this was our intention. This is what we did. You can't prove otherwise. Here here it is. Right. And so, um, so no. So, I mean, I, but, that's that's the example of what's happening out there, right? There's a story today that Texas A&M, who you know was rumored, reported to have spent big money on securing its top-ranked class of 2022, that their culture is concerned that they're not keeping pace, right? Like it's just this. This is what an arms race looks like right. when you are trying to build up your own stockpile, but you're not necessarily broadcasting it to the rest of the world, what that stockpile looks like. Fear and and insecurity, right? That's kind of leading the day right now is the fear and insecurity of, is this enough? We don't know what this is. So is there enough? All with the backdrop of Mark Emmert has uh, announced recently that he's stepping down as president of the NCAA, which might be a good thing or a bad thing, but like just the point of like the turmoil does not stop. There's a new thing that is changing it seems like either every single week, every single quarter, there's always something new. Uh, yeah. Now, with all of that said, the the last thing I want to get to, and probably should have got this earlier because Penn State fans want to know this, but I don't think you have any particular uh, direct information. It's more of a conversation about Beaver Stadium. You mentioned it. How, what do you do with Beaver Stadium? So I guess if you were the athletic director coming into Penn State right now, what do you do with Beaver Stadium I'll leave it to this. Where is it on your priority list to start? 
So there's there's a few there's a few angles here. One, I would blow it up. <laughs> Start new. Yeah, I, I just would. I, I mean, you're, you're dealing with the costs of, and and this is a yearly thing. I've talked about this before. Every year, there is a cost to being still in Beaver Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. And it is at minimum in the millions and millions of dollars, just just to make it functional, right? To have functional bathrooms, to like not just upkeep, but like things that, yeah, yeah, like foundational things, so that the stadium doesn't collapse, right? right. So. So, so you've got to balance that against what does it cost to build new? What are the opportunities to build new? Right? Like, I mean, right. There, there's just there's just so many different factors that go into it. Certainly, um, certainly, you're going to have to make the investment to keep it afloat. If you don't have any, like this is, there's not going to be a new Beaver Stadium in the next five years. I can promise mm-hmm. that. I can tell you that right now. Uh, it, it, you know toward year 10, like a decade from now, maybe, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just very, by that very... point, your kids are going to be in the, in it, you know, <laughs> are going to yeah, be going yeah. to new Beaver stadium. Yeah. So, well, or, or whatever it is. I mean, whether it's a, a renovation or a new project, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just such a monumental undertaking that there, there are so many things that need to be sorted out. Um, I just, but isn't this the same conversation we had when the master plan came out? And and not to you know throw uh, shade at Sandy Barber, who was in a similar yeah. situation coming into the situation after everything you mentioned with Joe Paterno and, and trying to transition the university out of that time. Part of the master plan was like, it's... It's down the road from here. We're in the middle of down the road right now. So this has been a can that has been kicked down the road continually. So at some point, something has to be done. I just, they need to, there needs to be a direction set. Because I think, I think that that's ultimately why there's a stalemate, right? Is there, there isn't even a, like, how do you get people to, to get on board with something that you're doing in the future when they don't know what that is, right? If it's right. if it's a renovation project, um, now granted, Penn State has just wrapped or is in the process of wrapping within the next couple of months, there was just a story about it, a, a huge university capital campaign. They raised $2 billion for the university. Like that's, okay, so that's coming to close. Now, athletics can do something concurrent to that, but it yeah. doesn't seem like they are. But maybe there's an opportunity now saying, okay, yeah. this this university fundraising is done. Now athletics can get into it and and really like set the direction. What are you doing? This is what the new stadium is going to look like. This is what a renovated stadium is going to look like. We need everybody on board. Like, yeah. And so I, th- I think I think that that's going to be an opportunity for Pat Kraft to 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 rally the troops, so to speak, to to get people in line with a, a direction just just set the direction though because yeah. that's what yep. that's what hasn't happened yet yep i think that there's been you're right there's been a hesitancy to say what you said you've got to blow up beaver stadium and i think everyone realistically knows that it would cost as much if not more to renovate it and to make it cuz once you do upgrades then you've got to get everything to current codes and you've got to do everything the correct way and you're retrofitting a stadium that's been pieced together over 60 years. 
Yep. I don't have the mental capacity to think of how you do that. I don't think well, people really want to take on that task either if you're the architect or anybody who's doing that. I th- I think I think what and this is just a personal observation, but I think what's interesting to me and I'll be curious to see some of the comments to to this conversation on this video, but the the stance has softened dramatically from the fan base yeah right when when it when it was first proposed like the feedback was not unanimous but pretty close hey you got to keep beaver stadium yeah you you know whatever whatever it costs uh, you got to keep this place it's too special right and and you know over the last 10 years some of what i've seen is fans who have experienced other game day environments uh, AT&T Stadium in Dallas, right? Penn State fans that went to that game. Penn State fans that go to the link, but whatever, yeah. right? Like all yeah. of these different fan experiences have been improved so dramatically. And then you go to a game at Beaver Stadium and you've got to wait 20 minutes to use the restroom. You've got to wait 20 minutes to get bad chicken fingers and French fries that are soggy. Like all of those things that could be overlooked for the notion of like nostalgia and keeping what you know, they've kind of gone out the window. The sentiment has turned to, man, you know, this is ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like the beaver state, like sitting in a 12 inch wide window of space on a metal bleacher just doesn't cut it for a lot but of people. that's how you get 107,000 people in there baby is you've got to give up a little of your personal space your bubble is invaded to get 107,000 and that that part i think still matters no matter what to the new stadium it has to be that size and when it gets to be that size the price tag is going to be interesting that's going to yeah, be yeah I, I mean they're they're not going to they're not going to have 107 whatever right. it is I mean, but even i mean if it's, the, even if it's a renovation they're not they're going to have to go down in size um i i don't know that well, it, it doesn't matter. I just think it, it's the, a, it's the a prestige, the prestige of being over 100,000. That's what I think fans don't want to lose is they no, want that bragging right to say this is the best environment in college football because look how many people show up and look how many people we can fit into our giant stadium that nobody else has. That's the unique part of Beaver Stadium is just the volume of people because the stadium itself is in no way special. Like it is... Uh, the first time I saw it, careful. The first time I saw it, I was reminded of something gladiatorial. Like this is rough. This is where grit is born. You know those sort of things. Like the the yeah. the exposed metal brings it a certain ambiance of um lack of refinement. There there's nothing yeah. like. Owed to yesteryear about architecture or anything about it. It's just 107,000 people. It's a giant bowl that people file into and then yell at uh, college students from <laughs> Iowa for three, yeah. four hours. So yeah, we'll it. see how that goes. Uh, that'll do it today for the BWI Daily Edition. Great job, as always, by Nate Bauer. Thank you so much for the insight and the information on Penn State's athletic director search. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow. The draft is coming up this week. We're going to talk about that. Our mailbag episode this week as well. Fitting everything in in a very busy end to April. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you then.